Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. There has been a a conversation that has been going on over the last few decades. I'm sure you have been caught up in it at one point or another about the planet that we live on, uh, the environment and creation. And this conversation seems to be catching everywhere. If you go on any popular news website, every day you'll find some kind of story about the planet. We were, uh, I was looking on the BBC earlier and saw uh, eco-anxiety is a thing and how to deal with it and they've got a little video about that. It's also a conversation that we're seeing uh, in, in schools, in education. Uh, when I did teacher training it was a big part of what they were talking about even though I was training to teach maths. It's how do we also help people engage in issues around the planet. It's a conversation that seems to be happening in politics. Whatever political party someone is representing, having a a green segment of their policy platform is an important thing in today's politics. A lot of businesses want to be seen to be doing the right thing for the planet. It's a very commonplace conversation that I think is happening pretty much everywhere in the world right now, maybe except the church. It's something we haven't spoken about anywhere near as much as we ought to have. Now, that's not true in all churches, and it's not true with all Christians. Desmond Tutu, uh, the great South African archbishop, in 2014, he wrote this. 25 years ago, people could be excused for not knowing much or doing much about climate change. Today, we have no excuse. So eight years on, those words are even truer than when he said them back then. But what it does is when we haven't engaged the topic anywhere near as much as we should, it means you end up in one of a number of places. So you might end up something like, I've heard the conversation, I get it, I know that bad stuff's happening to our planet, I know it's affecting the poor more than anyone else, I really care about it. I also really care about Jesus. I want him to be glorified. And I've got these two things that both matter to me, and they don't seem to connect up at all. So I care about this, and I care about this, and that's kind of it. Or you might land somewhere like, well, if it's not talked about in church, maybe God's just not bothered about the climate stuff. Maybe it's not an issue we need to think about all that much. Or maybe you think... God's not bothered about the climate stuff. Maybe God doesn't have a clue what's going on and I need to rethink faith a bit. It's a big problem, I think, when we don't connect the two because the two stories are actually one story. It's God's story. I'm calling this talk this evening God's Broken World because everything that's going on in this planet is connected to what the Bible says, that God has a story to tell. I don't know if any of you uh, ever like watching medical dramas on TV. I, I went through a phase where I got into house in, in a big way. And what they do is they'll look at something that's going on and they'll pick out all the different symptoms that they could treat. And then you've got all this like um, crew of doctors around house who all suggest stupid ideas for what might solve the problem. But it never works because they're just dealing with 
the symptoms. They're just dealing with the visible bit of the problem. Uh, and you need someone like House, the, the genius doctor, to say, no, no, let's go behind it. Let's figure out what's the underlying issue that's causing everything to go wrong. And then we can start dealing with the problem. And much of the best-intentioned efforts for change in our planet have been pretty ineffective, haven't they? We've been talking about this for decades, and it seems like the problem's still getting worse and worse. And I think that's because we're mainly talking about symptoms. We're mainly talking about sticking plasters. We're mainly coming up with one or two ideas. If we can do this and this and this, then everything will get better. And I don't know if you're anything like me, and you'll hear it, and I'm like... I could and I should do that stuff, and I will do that stuff, and yet I, it seems to me like there are bigger issues. It seems like there are national policies that need to change here in the UK, but also in developing nations. There's business, corporate things that need to change. There's all sorts of different things. There's also just a widespread lethargy, a widespread indifference, a widespread laziness, a widespread selfishness. There's also global justice stuff that connects in because we've got rich as a nation uh, off the back of hundreds of years of burning fossil fuels, developing our economy to a certain point, and then we're trying to tell other people you can't do the same. And There's all sorts of stuff interwoven together. And I think we know how issues can all interrelate, don't we? We saw it with COVID. So when we had the COVID crisis starting a couple of years ago, we thought this is a health crisis. But how long was it until we realised, no, it's not just a health crisis, it's also an economic crisis because people can't go to work and we need a, a furlough scheme. It's also an education crisis because people can't go into schools, they can't take exams, they're having to do online university learning. It's also a mental health and aloneness crisis. It's also a global justice crisis as rich countries hoard vaccines and don't give them to poorer countries. It's also a moral leadership crisis as people who set rules for all of us don't keep the rules themselves. And suddenly you realise, okay, what I thought was one thing is actually interwoven with a hundred other problems. When we talk about God's broken world, what I want to suggest to you this evening is everything that we see broken in our world, the climate, the environment, nature, it is all broken and it's connected with the brokenness going on in the human heart, it's connected with the brokenness in communities, in different relationships and it's connected with a spiritual brokenness as well. That's what I'm going to try and show you from the Bible. Let, let me show you a Bible verse. This is Hosea chapter 4 verses 1 to 3. It says, hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. I mean, that's quite an opening, isn't it? Right, everyone, listen up. God's got some beef with you. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love, no knowledge of God in the land. They're swearing, lying, murder, stealing and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. They don't sound like they're doing great, do they? But then listen to what it says. Therefore, the land mourns. Because of the way these people are acting, because of their sin, something is affecting the land itself. All who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven and even the fish of the seas are taken away. They're acting in a sinful way. And the repercussions of that are felt not just by people, but by the environment, by nature and by the land. 
Tim mentioned in that long video thing where he was wearing the same shirt that he's wearing now. I don't, I don't know if he's washed it since, but we'll, we'll not go there. But he mentioned that we're going to be doing a conference this year, um, which I'll tell you more about that another week, but do come along. It'll be great. But the theme of that conference is revival. And one of the verses that I've been thinking about as I've been planning for that conference is in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And it says, if my people, this is God speaking, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven, hear from heaven, sorry, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And it seems like that verse is saying, if the people will spiritually course correct, if they'll turn back to God, if they'll seek God with all their hearts, then what's God going to do? Well, he'll forgive their sin. We might expect a Bible verse to say something like that. Yeah, turn back to God and he'll forgive your sin. But he will heal their land. And that word for land, the word is erect. It could also be translated earth. That as people turn back to God, there'll be healing brought to the earth. You see, things are more connected than we ever realised. The Bible has a great story to tell about what's going on in the world and how it got in the state that it's in. Abby started telling this story last week, and you might see a little triangle uh, up there on the screen, a triangle of relationships. And it starts with God. God's the creator. God's the one who made this world. And God is beyond creation. God's not part of this world, but he's totally transcendent to it, and yet he's committed to this world. He wants to do good. He cares about this world. And this creation was declared good. The physical isn't a bad thing. It's not like we need to escape from the material world into some spiritual alternate reality. No, 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 no. This world is good as God made it. And the world speaks of God. And the world belongs to God. And so the way we treat this world reflects on how we see God. And then people were made as part of the world. We're intertwined with the rest of connect the rest of creation we're connected to all that there is and we were called apart within creation we were given a special responsibility to steward the earth and take care of it so as people the relationships that we have are so important the relationship with God that we were made for Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden had friendship and intimacy with God. It says that every day God would come and walk in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of closeness with someone where every day you'd do stuff with them. That would just be the default. It wouldn't be, hey, can you find time in your diary for me? It would be, no, what are we going to do today? I had friendships like this at school. So every day after school with certain friends, it's what are we going to do today. Some of the people that I lived with at uni, we had this same, same thing. What are we doing? And in marriage, we have this, what are we doing? Maybe you've got relationships with that level of closeness. That's what the first humans had with God. He would walk with them. The expectation was, we are together. But also, they had great relationships with creation. Creation provided for them. There was this garden with loads of amazing trees, and God said you can eat from any tree you want, apart from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If I came to your house, let's say I was invited to your house, I didn't just turn up, let's say you'd invited me to your house, then 
chances are you'd offer me a cup of tea. You might get the biscuits out or something like that. But what I'm not going to do is just raid your fridge. I'm not going to go and look for what you've got, take all your best food and eat it. However, if I go to my mum and dad's house, I'm totally raiding the fridge. I know I've got that liberty that anything in their house is mine. I can have it. I've got that freedom to engage with anything that they have. And those first humans in creation, it was all there to provide for them. They could eat of any tree in the garden apart from this one. And it was the other way. They had a responsibility to take care of and look after, to fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the earth. They got to basically be in charge. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the experience where a friend of yours has gone on holiday and you get to house sit for them. Anyone ever done that? And you get to have their house and you get to live in it and you get to enjoy all the perks of being in charge of their house as though it's your house. But you can't really trash the place, can you? It's not like it's yours so you can destroy it. It's theirs and you've got a privilege and a responsibility to look after it for them. Something like that is what's going on. Humans have a responsibility to look after the world for God. So we're going to pick up the next bit of the story today. We're going to see where it all went wrong. And uh, These verses are given really to help us engage with that question. Why isn't the world this perfect world that we read about? Why is it that we turn on the news, look on all these websites and see it's just broken, it's a mess, things aren't operating as they should? And we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 3. And this isn't meant to be just a story just about them then. This is a story that's meant to make us reflect on ourselves because in different ways, each one of us have relived the themes of this story many times. So let me read the first six verses of Genesis 3. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, no, we, we may eat the, the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to her eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some uh, <coughs> to her husband who was with her and he ate. Now there's loads that we could pick up out of this story. It's something that's been spoken about and written about at great length. Do you notice it's a story about pride? Did you notice it's a story about self-assertion? Do you notice it's a story about saying, I'm going to do what I want to do, and no one can tell me otherwise. I'm going to have what I want to have. I'm going to live the truth that I want to live. Who cares about the consequences? Now, you might recognise that narrative. If you've ever watched a Disney film, that's the basic plot, isn't it? Be who you want to be. Don't let anyone stop you. Let it go. Be the real you. Nobody can tell you what to do. And it all sounds groovy, doesn't it? Until you realise that that's exactly the same narrative that Vladimir Putin is living out right now. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care who it affects. I don't care who it hurts. I'm going to express my wishes. It's actually the heart of everything 
that's gone wrong in the world. Think about the big scale stuff. Think about what we're talking about with the environment and the climate. Why is there a crisis? It's because people put their own desires above the good of others. It's because businesses put their own profit ahead of what's sustainable for the planet. It's because nations put their own growth, their own economy, their own selfish desires above the poor of the world. And they don't care who gets affected by what they do. Or bring it down more personally. It's because I choose to make certain decisions. I choose what I think will be financially better for me. Or I choose what's more convenient for me without thinking who it will affect. Think about the food poverty in the world, isn't that? Because some people who have incredible resources say, no, no, I'm going to do what I want to do with it, and I'm not going to help those who need it. Think about wars in the world. Isn't this exactly where wars come from? People asserting what they want, their own desires, their own selfishness, their own pride. Who cares who gets hurt along the way? Much more personally, Think about the relational breakdowns that you've been involved in. Think about the families that have fallen apart. Think about the tensions that we all experience. How many of them are caused by someone making this same kind of choice? I'm going to do what I want to do, and I don't care if you get hurt along the way. And more often than we'd like to admit, some of those decisions that cause it are our decisions, things that we've chosen to do as well. And so in this, as Adam and Eve and every human since has made these choices to take what they want, do what they want, not care about the consequences, it means that all the relationships in that triangle that was so good get broken. Our relationship with God is the first one to go. Augustine was a great North African theologian, 5th century, and he said this, Our hearts are restless, Lord, until they find their rest in you. He's saying we were made to be in relationship with God. And yet we've broken it. We've broken the trust of that relationship. Your house sitting for your friend who's gone on holiday. You decide to have a mad party. Their TV gets smashed. Their carpet gets wrecked with wine stains. What is that doing? It's not just wrecking the house. It's wrecking the trust that they've put in you. It's breaking the friendship apart. And so that day when God comes to call in the garden, when he comes walking, expecting them to walk with him, they're not there. They've gone to hide. They're they're distanced from him. The relationship isn't what it was. He starts asking them some questions and they get all evasive about it. Eventually, they get removed from this garden that God had created. In uh, verse 23 of Genesis 3, it says, Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, I think most of us, uh, at some point in our life, have had that sense of distance from God, knowing there's a relationship that should be right, and, and there's something there, but it just seems elusive. It seems hard to grasp. It seems not as it should be. And the whole story the Bible tells is about making this right, about this relationship with God being restored. And that happened through Christ on the cross. But that wasn't the only relationship that got broken when humans turned away from God. When the relationship with God breaks, actually every relationship breaks. And so our relationships with one another went wrong as well. 
Adam starts blaming Eve. They're not a supportive married couple anymore. He's having to go at her. He's saying it's all her fault. She's passing the blame on to the serpent. Relationships are breaking down. In verse 16, God explains the consequences of their action for their relationship. And he says to Eve, your desire shall be contrary to your husband. He shall rule over you. You see, a marriage where they're vying, they're rivals, they're against each other, not for each other. Brokenness has entered the marriage relationship. Then they have kids, Cain and Abel. And jealousy enters the brotherly relationship, ends up with Cain killing Abel. The next generation, Lamech, this guy, kills someone for wounding him and says, hey, if anyone does anything to me, let's get 77 times the revenge. It's conflict entering the sphere of human relationships. And as you read the Bible, you see this spiral out in different marriages, in different families, nations to nations. The whole people are scattered and can't understand each other. Chaos and carnage spread. C.S. Lewis is one of the great authors of history in my view and he wrote this book called The Great Divorce and it's like a a little kind of imaginary picture that he tells of hell and he's trying to visualize what it's like there and he describes it as like this drab gray city with miles and miles of abandoned boarded up buildings that no one lives in and the reason why there's all these abandoned buildings is because people can't get along with each other. So they're moving further and further and further away from each other. And one of the main protagonists of the book lives on the outskirts of town. And it says about 15,000 years of our time away from the centre. And, and he's kind of there all isolated, walking back and forth, pacing in his house. And he's assigning blame to everybody but himself for the way his life turned out. A picture of loneliness, brokenness, ego, and misery. You see, when the relationship with God got broken, that splintered human relationships. Dave Buckless wrote the book Planetwise, which is, this is our book of the term. This is a a lot of what we're talking about links into what Dave Buckless wrote in this book, so well worth a read. But he, on this point, says, sexism, racism, Ethnic hatred, aggressive nationalism, and all other forms of prejudice can be traced to this breakdown of relationships, starting from the fall. And so the story the Bible tells about repaired relationships isn't just that individually each one of us is brought back into relationship with God, although that is a big part of it, but that together humans horizontally are brought back as a family. The different nations that were against each other for each other. The different people who are at odds with each other are reconciled as brothers and sisters. So our relationship with God went wrong. Our relationship with other people went wrong. Also our relationship with creation itself went wrong. There's an overturning of the responsibility. Humans were meant to be in charge of creation and yet in the story I read, who was it that spoke to Adam and Eve? It was the serpent. It was one of the created beings who they were meant to be in charge of, but now they're taking instructions from. It's like, right, you know when you were at school and you ever had like a substitute teacher who just couldn't control the class? And so they were going along with what all the loud kids wanted and pretending like it was their idea. That's kind of like what's happening here. They're going along with what the serpent wants, but they're like, oh yeah, yeah, this is what we want. Really, the responsibility has been flipped. And as a consequence, again, God explains what's gone wrong. And he says in verse 17, this is to Adam, cursed is the ground because 
of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. He's describing now a conflicted adversarial relationship between people and the created world. And think about the way we choose to treat this creation. I was reading something this week that Mona Hooker wrote, and she said this, my inbox, like my letterbox, gets jammed with petitions and appeals from charities trying to cope with what the Bible terms a fallen world. Our rainforests are being destroyed. Why? Because logging firms want to make money by planting something profitable. Oil spillages are polluting our seas. Why? Because oil firms use dangerous ships in the hope of making more money. Famine is spreading once again in Ethiopia, Yemen, Sudan and many other countries. Why? Sometimes because the rains fail, but largely because of conflict, which not only destroys agriculture, but also prevents aid from being distributed. Refugees arrive on our shores and are turned away because we don't want to share our riches with those who have nothing. Men, women and children are homeless because we do not care. And of course there's the crisis of climate change to which, whatever its origins, we're certainly making a very large contribution whether as individuals boosting our own lifestyle or as businesses pursuing profits. The whole created universe groans, wrote St Paul. And his words are even more true today than when he wrote them. Humans are acting in an adversarial way towards creation. The other week I was driving uh, by the M62. You get a beautiful view over all the fields for miles and miles and miles. And I don't know how many people had done it, but a lot of people had just taken bags of rubbish and dumped them beside the road. Why are you doing that? You're wrecking something beautiful. Our selfishness, you can't be bothered to go to the tip. Think about the big scale stuff in that quote, the oil companies. Think about the deforestation. It's the same thing. It's selfishness, it's laziness. I'm going to destroy creation just to make my life easier or more profitable. Thinking about the personal choices that I make and that others make, and time and again, we do what's easy and convenient, even when we know it will do harm. Humans act in an adversarial way to creation. And creation is broken. The verse she referred to about creation groaning is from Romans 8. It says this, The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For we know the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And so it goes the other way as well. This broken creation acts adversarially to humanity too. Work is hard. Work is toil. The, the impression we were given in those verses, back at the start, work was easy. It was straightforward that food could be got from the ground easily. Now work is hard labour. I one summer, well not summer, like late in the year, did potato picking at my auntie's farm. It is flipping hard work getting food out of the ground. Any of you who've ever done anything like that will know it. And creation, it misfires. We see natural disasters. We see things going wrong. And it's all from this moment. It's like, think about like a computer that's got a virus in it and it pops up in all sorts of ways, making things not quite work as they should. When we turn from God, we broke the relationship with him, we broke the relationship with each other, and we've broken the relationship with this good creation. 
It's not as it should be. Now, those verses did talk about a hope. It says the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Back to where I started. Everything is connected. So we live in a world that's broken. God's broken world. But the brokenness is not the end because the story comes together. That God's doing a work on our relationship with him, our relationship with each other, and our relationship with the world. That verse in Chronicles says, if my people who are called by my name will repent, will seek my face, will turn back, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal the land. So we're onto a promise. What I want to do and where I want to land this, where I think it's an appropriate moment for us to get to today, is a moment of repentance. Is a moment where we recognise that this world is broken and that we've made choices that lead there. And now we can make a different choice. Repentance, it's not a condemnation thing. In Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Repentance is realignment. It's changing direction. It's choosing something different. And so I wonder how many of us have made those choices like Adam and Eve. I'm going to do what I want to do. Don't really care about my relationship with God. Don't really care how it affects other people. Don't really care how it affects this world. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I wonder if the Holy Spirit might be whispering to some of us this evening that now is the time to turn back. Now is the time to look to God and say, God, I want to be restored in relationship with you. I want a life that's seeking your face, that's looking to you, that's vibrantly going after you. I want a life that's serving those around me. I don't want to exploit them. I don't want to sow discord and animosity. I'm willing to lay myself down, lay down my desires to do good to the people around me. And I'm going to stop making those selfish choices. I'm going to stop making those lazy choices. I'm going to stop treating this world like I'm the squatter in this house who can trash it. I'm going to be the one who takes responsibility, who lives in it like it's God's good world. And I'm going to make different choices 